All right, we are concluding our topic on quench not the spirit. I have so much to share with you today. I'm really going to try and squeeze it all into these 27 minutes that we have together. 1 Thessalonians 5:19 is our main text that says quench not the spirit. We've learned that what that means is we mustn't extinguish what the spirit is doing in our lives because the word quench simply means to put out or blow out a lit candle or even pouring water on over a burning fire to extinguish it. And we said that anything that tends to dampen our passion in our spirits or to chill our passion, render us cold and lifeless in our service for God, we'll regard that as quenching the spirit. Instead of quenching the spirit, in 2 Timothy 1.16, we are encouraged to fan into flame the spirit or to fan into flame what the Spirit is prompting us to do. It says there, stir up the gift of God that's in you. It means to kindle up, to cause to burn. So we don't want to be those people who become dampened in their walk with God, but we want to keep full flame. We want to ensure that whatever God is encouraging us to do, we fan it into flame, we go after it, we live according to what God is telling us. And so we were talking about how we fan into flame the spirit of discipline, cultivating spiritual fitness and developing the muscles of the spirit or spiritual muscles. We learned that our walk of faith is like that of, is compared to that of an athlete. In 1 Corinthians 9.25, it tells us that every athlete submits to training and to strict discipline. So we note that when the Spirit is fanning into flame the work of God, what the Spirit will do is to try and get us to be a disciplined people. There are certain disciplines that God will move us into in our lives. 1 Timothy 4.7 then tells us, train yourself towards godliness and keeping spiritually fit. That's in the Amplified Bible. So we know that we want to keep spiritually fit and fan into flame certain disciplines. We want to practice or we want to train ourselves in certain spiritual disciplines. When we do that, then our muscles will grow. We have spiritual muscles that we believe we need to develop. We've talked about developing the muscle of devotion into the word and prayer. Now today, I want to talk about developing the muscle of faith. Faith is an important part of our walk with God. If you don't develop faith, you will not be a strong Christian. You will always be defeated in your walk with God. So it is one of those areas that needs to be developed. And note, I said it needs to be developed. Because it is something that doesn't just happen overnight. And it's something that doesn't happen by coincidence. You need to be determined that I am going to develop my faith. I'm going to have strong faith. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to have strong faith. Tell two other people, neighbor, you need to have strong faith. Just tell them. So for our lesson today, I'd like us to read Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10. And I'm reading the, the complete Jewish Bible. I love the way they have written this particular text. It reads as follows. 
finally grow powerful in union with the Lord. In union with his mighty strength. Tell your neighbor, grow powerful. Tell your other neighbor, don't be weak neighbor. Tell your other neighbor, you need to be strong neighbor. So it says grow powerful. Do you see the word grow? It suggests process. It suggests it's something that happens gradually. Grow powerful in union with the Lord. In union with his mighty strength. Now note verse 11. Use all the armor and weaponry that God provides. So that you'll be able to stand against the deceptive tactics of the adversary. For we are not struggling against human beings, but against the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers governing this darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now note verse 12. So take up. Tell your neighbor, take up. Tell your neighbor, take up. So which means, Barcelona, this means you must actively do something, right? You must actively take up what? Every piece of war equipment God provides so that when the evil day comes, you will be able to resist. And when the battle is won, you will still be standing. Note, it didn't say if the battle is won. It says when the battle is won. You know why? Because already you have been declared as more than a conqueror even before you fight. When the battle is won, when the battle is won, so it means you have to stick in there and stand in there until you win. It says when the battle is won, you will be standing. Hallelujah. Then it says, therefore stand, having the belt of truth buckled around your waist, put on righteousness for a breastplate, and wear on your feet the readiness that comes from the good news of shalom. Verse 16, Always carry the shield of faith. Always carry the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of deliverance with the, which is the sword given by the spirit that is the word of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. So Paul is telling us how to stand in the evil day. You know, every day is not an evil day. There's a day called the evil day where Satan has zeroed in on you to take you out. I don't know if you've been there where it's almost like you are just moving from one crisis to the other. From one problem to the other. It's like how khono koka moya at all. How feta e okena moe. How tua moe okena moe. That's what we call the evil day. And Paul says, in the evil day, don't behave like a victim. Take up the full armor of God. He says, and when you have battled, when you have fought, you will be able to win and you will be able to stand. Then he starts describing these pieces of armor. Then he talks about this piece of armor called the shield of faith. But then he says, you should be able to stand against the walls of the devil, against your enemy. An enemy is a person who's actively opposed or hostile to something. Satan is opposed to you. He's unfriendly. He's unfavorable. He's not kind. He's not going to encourage you. Miriam Webster says an enemy is someone who hates another. Someone who attacks or tries to harm another. 
So Satan always tries to attack you and tries to harm you. But in spite of his efforts, you are more than a conqueror and you will be able to stand. Therefore, we are at war. And we know that Satan is our enemy. But God's word reveals to us that we are victorious over Satan's attack. And if we take all the weapons that God has provided, the loins get about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and stop his attack. So verse 16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Paul uses the imagery of a Roman soldier's shield, which this shield, when you look at it, is what God has provided for us. That word shield, it's used by the Greeks and the Romans to depict this oblong door that was wide in width and long in length. And the reason the Roman soldiers used this word to describe their bestial shield is that their shields as well were door-shaped like the shield that you see behind me here. They were wide in width, long in length, just like the door of a house. And because this shield was wide and long, the shield completely covered the Roman soldier. This is why the Holy Spirit chooses to use this word for to illustrate what your faith is. In other words, God is telling us that he has given us enough faith to make certain that we are completely covered for every situation. Just like this shield covered completely the Roman soldier, we are completely covered. Just like this shield covered the Roman soldier. Now, in the majority of cases, the Roman soldier's shield was composed of, composed of multi-layers of thick animal hide. And they would take this animal skin, leather, animal hide, and they would tightly weave it together. Usually, six layers of animal hide were specially tanned and then woven so tightly that it became almost as strong as steel. Think about it. One piece of leather is enough to be very tough. But imagine how tough and durable six layers of leather would be. Why? Because of how this shield was made. The Roman soldier knew that this shield is extremely tough and it is exceptionally durable. And this shield was meant to quench the arrows that the enemy would shoot at them. In these days, they didn't use guns, they didn't have bombs, they didn't have chemical weapons, they used swords, they used arrows. So, these darts, we are told, were tipped at the toe, they had fiber at their end, and they would stick them in a substance like tar or turpentine. And they would set them on fire before discharging them towards you. So they would discharge this this dart towards you, this arrow towards you. Some commentators tell us that when these fiery darts were discharged, they would explode on impact, thus spreading the fire all over the opponent. 
And the text says, these fiery darts come from the wicked one. Which means this, Satan seeks to drag every one of us down into utter ruin. He is shooting all these arrows and these attacks at you at different times. And there are times when it is the evil day, when he launches a big attack towards you and throws them towards you. So these fire darts represent the temptations that come our way. Days when things are hard. But our text says, you as a Christian soldier, take up the shield of faith. This suggests intentionality. This suggests that Satan is attacking me doesn't mean I'm supposed to be a victim. This suggests that Satan is attacking me. It doesn't mean I must just fold my arms and act like I am defenseless. I've got to take up the shield of faith. Not only do I take up the shield of faith, it says with that shield of faith, you will quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. The devil tries to hit your health, you quench that dart. The devil tries to hit you in your pocketbook, you quench that dart. The devil tries to hit you in your family, you quench that dart. I see you quenching every fiery dart of the wicked one. I was listening to one preacher during the week and he said, you know, the soldiers as well, not only would they use these shields individually, some of the shields were designed that they could interlock. And you would have 16 soldiers with their shields interlocking. And in unison, they would move forward, attacking the enemy and coming against the forces of the enemy. Now, Mzalana, the last thing you want to do is to peep outside of that shield because if Ushaba Kamole and go into unbelief, you are going to be taken out by the devil. Stand behind the shield of faith and walk in faith and you will quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Can I hear an amen in the house? The Bible says, and after you have done all to stand, after you have fought to a standstill, you'll still be the last man standing, the last woman standing. Can I hear an amen in the house? You'll quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Hallelujah. Now, here's what's interesting. The soldier knowing how important the shield was, the soldiers knew that they needed to take care of these shields because they were made out of leather. If they don't take care of them, the shield would become stiff, breakable, and over a period of time, if it's not properly taken care of, if it was to come under attack and stress, the shield would fall apart. So, in order to keep the shield in good shape, the soldier had a daily schedule to maintain their shields in excellent condition. Each morning, when the soldier awakened, he would reach for a small container of oil. After saturating a piece of cloth with oil, he would begin to rub and rub and rub the heavy ointment into the leather portion of the shield. Why? Because you want to keep the shield soft, you want to keep it supple, you want to keep it pliable, and when it is like that, it gives you maximum protection. Any soldier who neglected this daily application of oil and allowed the shield to go without the necessary care was in effect inviting certain death. If not correctly cared for and properly maintained, the leather portion of the shield would harden, crack, and when put under pressure, it would finally fall to pieces. 
Therefore, the end result of the soldier's failure to take care of the shield was the loss of their life. Note, as Christian soldiers, as soldiers of the cross, we need to daily care for our shield and daily walk in faith and exercise our faith on a daily basis and daily seek the fresh anointing of the oil of the Holy Spirit and a fresh touch of God's Spirit upon our lives or otherwise our faith becomes hard, stiff and brittle. You don't need to only start walking in faith when you are under attack. You don't just start praying seriously when things are bad. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Every day you ought to be exercising your faith. Every day you've got to have your shield out there. Every day you've got to be taking care of your shield and oiling it and taking care of it. Why? Because we know there's a day called the evil day. And when the evil day comes, I want my shield to be ready. And when the evil day comes, I want to quench every doubt of the evil one. Can I hear an amen? amen? So this speaks that the believer must live by faith on a daily basis. By applying their faith consciously. And not drawing back and allowing their faith to be weakened. Faith simply defined is this. When you believe God's word, when you speak God's word out of your mouth, and when you act on what the word of God says. You simply do what the Bible says. That's faith. You believe God's word in your heart. You speak it out of your mouth. And then you act on what the word of God says. And when we do that on a daily basis, we will be walking by faith. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Let me quickly tell you why your faith matters. Number one, you cannot be saved without faith. You cannot be saved without faith. Ephesians 2.8 Number two, faith is, must be the lifestyle of a believer. Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. Every day, Zalwan, you must be believing God, trusting God. Believe God's word, speak God's word, act on God's word. Trust that what God says is true. Rely on what God says. Every day, every day, walk by faith. Keep that faith shield oiled up all the time. Number three, you cannot please God without faith. Hebrews 11, 6, 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Number four, you cannot resist the attacks of the devil without faith. We've read it now in Ephesians 6, 16. Above all, take the shield of faith. Number five, Faith gives substance to your hope. In other words, faith makes your hope to become a reality. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The Moffat translation says, Faith means that we are confident of what we hope for. So faith helps to take our hope and turn it into reality. If you have a dream, if you don't walk in faith, if you don't believe God for it, it will never become a reality. Amen. 
Number six, faith helps you to fight a good fight. First Timothy 6, 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight. A good fight is the one that you win. If you don't win it, it's not a good fight. It's a bad fight. Number seven, and I'll end there. I want to say a few things. When you live by faith, you will live as a world overcomer. You will overcome. You live as an overcomer. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Can I see the hands of those who are born of God? Can I see your hands? Can I see the hands? Can I see the hands of those who are born of God? The Bible says you overcome the world. Oh, I thought I'd hear a better amen than that. The Bible says you overcome. But then it's a lapid. And this, watch this. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What does it mean? It means even when you are born again, you've got to walk by faith to experience victory in your life. You know, Basalanda, we are not to live as people who are defeated. I was telling them in the first service that in 1979, I had a funny thing happen to me, you know. I, I was truly attacked by a demonic spirit. And I, I can say that in hindsight. Because what had happened was uh, I had come into a conversation, not a conversation, an altercation, where somebody was rohacking another person. I mean, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were really, really being very vulgar, saying things. It was, they were saying funny things to my, one of my family members. And I happened to walk in on this incident. And I mean, I have never heard the clapper say one and little. I mean, if there was grades, that was grade triple A. I, I mean, really, that was higher grade. I had never heard that level in my life. But for some reason, as I was listening to that, it's almost like a demonic force got hold of my mind. That I couldn't forget what I had heard. But what was even worse is those insults kept replaying themselves in my mind. Not only were they replaying themselves in my mind, anytime I was with somebody, those insults would actually be directed at that person. And I couldn't stop it. I couldn't stop it. I prayed. I fasted. The thing continued. And I started being very concerned. Because here I am, I'm a born again child of God, I'm spirit filled. I never said any of those with my mouth, but it was playing itself in my mind as I'm looking at people. And I remember one day we were praying for people to be filled with the Spirit. As I laid my hands on this person to pray for them to be filled with the Spirit, there goes the Klapatena, rohaking this person. And what was worse, the person didn't get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the devil says, You see, you see, God has forsaken you. You see, you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And according to Matthew 12, any blasphemy can be forgiven, but blasphemy to the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. And I remember that day, I, everything about me changed. I got into depression. I was sad. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't sleep at night. Because everywhere I went, there was this thing playing in my mind. This force of darkness. These thoughts that were thrown at me. 
I prayed hard, I fasted, and that's our problem. Many of God's children don't know how to deal with the devil's attack. When they're going through attack, they pray harder. When they go through attack, they fast. Those things are important, but there are times when you don't do that. You've got to use a different strategy. Somebody say strategy. Somebody say strategy. And then I remember I went to a friend of mine and I started confiding in him because it was three months now I'd been suffering. I'd lost weight. I mean, those days I was, I was very small. I weighed 61 kilograms at my height. Can you imagine losing 61? Can you imagine being 61 kilograms, losing more weight? I was really skin and bones. And I was sad. I mean, people would ask me, what's wrong? I wouldn't tell them. I just said, no, I'm all right. But I knew, I mean, it was really bad. And so my, my friend, Hakim Mutsa, how to help me? He said, no, you know, somebody once said, the higher you grow, the more you become matured as a Christian, is the more God sends temptations that are your size. I didn't want to hear that. That doesn't help. That doesn't help. So I said, so what do you mean? He said, no, you must just go on and one day. Somebody say strategy. And then finally, by God's grace, I got hold of a book by a certain minister by the name of David Nunn. And in this book, he was teaching about confessions of faith. Declaring who you are in Christ. Saying about you what God says about you. And I remember as I was reading that, I started to check who I was. This is what I found out. If I'm a born again child of God, there is no way I'm going to cast God and I'm going to cast the Holy Spirit. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. I found out that the Bible says I have the mind of Christ. I found out that the Bible says I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I found out that I can renew my mind in the word. I found out I can keep my mind on heavenly things. And I began saying to me, I have the mind of Christ. I am, my mind is stayed on God. Greater is he that is in me. I'm a child of God. I have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I, there's no way I can cast the Holy Spirit. I am born of God. I am not the old person anymore. And the minute I said that, Bazalana, just like that, in three seconds, that was the end of those thoughts. Yeah. Satan picked up his bag and he left with all his demon powers. And then I realized, oh, that's what taking up the sword, that's what taking up the shield of faith is about. When Jesus was under the attack of Satan, during the fast, and when Satan came to tempt him, and he said, if you are the son of God, do this. What did Jesus do? He began to declare what the word says. He began to say what the word says. What was he doing? He was saying about himself what God says about him. You got to say about you what God says about you. What are you doing? When you say about you what God says about you, you are picking up the shield of faith. Bring it on, Satan. Bring it on. I am going to quench every fiery attack. So when Satan throws the attack in your health, tell them by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. Hallelujah. Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. By his stripes I am healed. When Satan begins to attack your finances, just say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Make sure you quench every fiery dart by picking up your shield of faith. And this is how we Pick up our shield of faith. Four things as I close quickly. 
Number one, know the integrity of God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is alive and powerful. This means God's word must be foremost in your life of foremost importance. And choose first what the word of God says about you. Believe God's report, not Satan's report about your life. When Satan throws that fiery dart at you, he tries to get you to not believe what God says about you. Put God's word first. Number two, have the spiritual discipline. Have the spiritual discipline in your life to habitually listen to the word of God. Fill your life with God's word. Listen to God's word, Bazalon. Why? Because Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What am I doing? I'm taking up my shield of faith. I am oiling my shield of faith. See, when you listen to the word every day, even when things are good, you listen to the word. What are you doing? I'm oiling my shield. Even if there's no dart thrown at me, I'm making sure my shield is ready for that day of evil. So listen to God's word every day. Listen to a lot of God's word. Number three, refuse to allow doubt, fear, unbelief to make you uncertain of the promises of God. Refuse to allow doubt, fear, or unbelief to make you uncertain of the promises of God. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. Nor is he the son of man to change his mind. Hallelujah. And finally, continually speak the word of God over your life. Let me put it this way. Speak faith-filled words over your life. Speak God's word. But as part of your walk every day, speak the word over your family, over your life, over your career. Speak the word of God. You've noted, Bazalana, in the morning prayer, when I close, you know, I say, may the Lord make his face shine towards you. The Lord give you peace. And then, I, then I say, the Lord guide you and give you wisdom that you will deal wisely with the affairs of life today. Ah, speak the word of God over your life. Instead of you saying, if you say that, you are not taking up the shield of faith. Hallelujah. Take up the shield of faith and walk in the fullness of what God has in store for you. Will you raise your hands as we pray? Follow me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Your word is a lamp to my feet. A light to my path. Just begin to pray right where you are and thank God for his word. And those of you watching on television as people are praying, you can do the same right where you are. You can invite Jesus Christ into your life to be the savior and the Lord of your life. Jesus wants to change your life. You can phone on the numbers on the screen. We want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. Only God can uplift a broken life. Only God understands who you are and understands what you need. The lines are open now. You can call. We want to pray for you. Even those of you on social media, you can make contact with us. We want to pray with you. We want to bring you before the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. You can put your hands down for a while. Just want to ask you, 
Sometimes in our walk with God, things go wrong. We get tired. We get discouraged. Sometimes it's because we didn't know. Sometimes we made the wrong decision. You may be here, maybe you are invited or you've come on your own. But when you look at your life, your life is not pleasing to God. See, the reason we gather in church is not only to hear God's word, but to give God a chance to transform and change our lives because only he can change lives. We're not doing this to embarrass anybody, but we want to give people an opportunity in this safe space called church. Because all of us, we have our issues. All of us are a broken people. But we brought our broken lives to God. And God was able to fix those broken lives. You may be here today. No peace in your life. No joy in your life. You have a sense of emptiness in your life. You are seeking for something sometimes. You don't even know what it is. Your life is not right before God. There's no need for you to walk around with guilt and condemnation and a sense of unworthiness. God sent his son Jesus to die for you on the cross that your life should be changed and transformed. I want to give you this chance right now to invite Christ into your life. I'll help you through that. All to indicate that, look, I, I, I want God to change me. Maybe you, you once received Christ in your life and you lived for God, but things went wrong. Things went bad. And you walked away from God. You are here now and you're looking at your life. You realize what has become of your life. And you're wondering, will God forgive me? Yes, God will. God always gives another chance. I want to invite you as well in this prayer, if that's you, to also respond. Our heads bowed, please. Our eyes closed. Nobody looking around. Only the ushers who are helping us. If you say, Bishop, please, would you pray for me? My life is not right before God. I really need God to help me. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand right where you are, please? Just raise it high. Don't be afraid. I want to pray for you. This is your day. This is your moment. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. If the ushers can help me. Yeah, that's right. That's what it's about. This is what church is about, people. You don't need to be afraid or ashamed. Nobody's going to make fun of you. We are all here because we really need God to help us. Just raise your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The ushers will come stand next to you and the counselors will stand next to you. Let's all stand on our feet, including the people who have raised their hands. Just stand on your feet. And if you could, people who raise their hands, just go to that usher who's standing next to you. Before you go, I want to pray for you. Let us pray, everybody. Join me in the prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and for coming into my heart. Thank you for this new day. In Jesus' name, amen.